Alright everybody, so LA Knight lost his Universal Championship match this past weekend at Crown Jewel. And there's a lot of reports coming out this week now that LA Knight might have some backstage heat. Which would make sense because this isn't the first time that we've seen reports of this backstage. Now Vince, Vince McMahon apparently had a problem with him, but like you took that with a grain of salt because it's Vince McMahon. Like, people had problems with him, he had problems with people, so it's like, yeah, you know. But with LA Knight now under Triple H's regime and still having backstage issues, uh, it, le it leads one, it gives one cause to pause a bit. And uh, if we take directly from the report here from Ringside News, uh, honestly, I, I think LA Knight has one of those chips on his shoulder that you know you would expect from somebody of his age and somebody who's had to wait as long as he has to make it to where he's made it um but the the report uh came from actually booker t's podcast if you watch his podcast it's great um and he said i've heard guys say la knight he's got a bad attitude i don't know about this guy he's got a bad attitude and Booker T went on to defend him. He said, look, my thing is this. I've never really cared about getting heat with the boys as long as the boss liked everything that was going on. If the boss liked it, I was cool. Now, this leads into a bigger conversation, right? We all have a desire to be liked in our workplace to an extent. We want to get along with our coworkers. But at the same time, in that same breath, we're not going to allow our coworkers and their opinions of us keep us from getting what we ultimately want to achieve in our workspaces now fortunately i've been in a situation where you know i've worked someplace that's fantastic all my freelance gigs are fantastic so i haven't ran into really an issue um since you know i started working in these areas but i will say when i was in the service a lot of the times you have to make tough decisions and when i was promoted to staff sergeant in the air force there was a lot of different ways that i had to start moving i couldn't move the same way that i did before you know i was a I was one of the PT uh, enforcers, basically, which means I ran the PT test for my unit, physical training, for those of you who don't know what the PT stands for. But we had an annual test every single year where we had to run a mile and a half, do a certain amount of push-ups and a certain amount of sit-ups and a certain amount of time. And some people don't keep themselves in shape throughout the year, and as a result, they end up failing their PT test. Now, me, before, you know, when I was, you know, just an airman, uh, I would want to maybe give them another shot, like, hey, let, let's let's do that again, like, you know, because I don't want you to fail your PT test here. When I became a staff sergeant, all that kind of had to go out the window, and I started to, have to, I had to move differently. I had to make different decisions, and I had to uh, move with a lot more integrity. Not saying I didn't have integrity before, but, like, you know, those stripes meant something to me. It meant to me, like, I needed to live up to the expectations that a staff sergeant would have and I think that kind of relates to what we're talking about when we talk about backstage and wrestling we're talking about individuals who are trying to you know grab that brass ring and they're trying to make the most out of their career and they're not really worried about hurting people's feelings on the way you know I was trying to do my best to make the most out of my Air Force career I ended up getting out a year after I made staff but imagine if I had stayed in and I'm trying to make tech sergeant, eventually master sergeant. 
I can't do that while being buddy buddy with everybody. And so, yeah, I'm probably going to have some type of heat inside the unit because, you know, I'm not kissing ass and I'm not holding hands and I'm not singing kumbaya with everybody. But at the end of the day, I'm progressing in my career. And I feel like that's what LA Knight is doing. Now, again, I say this a lot. I don't know the guy, right? That's my thing. So, you know, I don't know all the details about how he behaves backstage, but I do know this. We've had a lot of people backstage throughout the years, a lot of the top guys, who are disliked by the less by the rest of the locker room. But it makes sense. It's a common theme. You know, people don't like Roman Reigns and his schedule. People don't like the way Seth Rollins doesn't really hang out with a lot of the other talent. People didn't like how Triple H was using his political advantages backstage to remain world heavyweight champion again and again and again and go over people people even said things about john cena using politics to keep his spot at the top i'm sure the rock and stone cold did the same we all know the horror stories about hulk hogan but this is how these guys become legends in this business this is how they make the most money this is how their name stays relevant for longer periods of time i'm not saying you have to be you know, a, a jerk in order to remain at the top of your game. But, like, if the pattern is there, eventually you have to start questioning who are the people who are really saying these things about these people. Now, Hulk Hogan, his is well documented. He was a jerk. Shawn Michaels, he was a jerk. Yes. But when you talk about people like John Cena, when you talk about people. Uh, like The Rock, when you talk about Stone Cold, when you talk about Roman Reigns and Seth Rollins and these top guys backstage, hell, even when you talk about CM Punk, you'll notice that a lot of times the people that they have issues with are the guys that are like stuck in the mid-card and trying to work their way up, and maybe they're new to the main event scene or something like that. Those are the people that typically those people don't get along with. You look at CM Punk's tenure in AEW, and the people that he were, the only, like, really, really top guys he had issues with were, of course, the Elite and Chris Jericho. Because everybody else seemed to either be impartial or have a good relationship with him. You look at Samoa Joe. Samoa Joe seemed to have a good relationship with him. Uh, Mark Henry and The Big Show, for all accounts, had a good relationship with CM Punk backstage. And you had some of the, the lower, like, the younger talent that had a good relationship. Darby Allin, Ricky Starks, all those people who were speaking highly of CM Punk right now uh, after his departure you start to question who is saying these things and why are they saying them in LA Knight's case who is saying these things now like why is why is this stuff coming from talent from talent specifically because like I said beforehand it was documented he had heat with Vince McMahon that's why Vince McMahon had him in the maximum male models stuff but when we talk about talent this is coming from talent. When we talk about that, why is it coming out now? Now that he's getting this main event push, now it's coming out? That he has a bad attitude, this, that, and the third? Why, why are you sharing this information now? And I'm not saying there's no truth to it, but ultimately you get a sense of like jealousy there in that case. And you get a sense that somebody doesn't like the fact that L.A. Knight has made himself into a megastar now. Somebody's not liking the fact that he's taking a spot that maybe they thought that they were going to get. And maybe they thought that they deserved. It brings up a lot of questions. And that's why I always take these reports 
with a big grain of salt and like really wait for things to develop a little bit more. But I wanted to talk about it today because I feel like it really does relate to all of our workplaces. When you think about your workplace specifically and you think about the people that you deal with and the things you have to deal with on a day-to-day -day basis, you have to think not everybody at your job likes you. And not everybody, everybody at your job is wishing for you to succeed. And not everybody at your job is happy that you have the spot that you have. So that's another thing we have to understand is that some of these rumors that we end up seeing, we can't just take them at face value. We have to think about ourselves in that situation. We have to think about the things that we deal with on a day-to-day -day basis. Because even though these guys are on TV and they're appearing as superheroes and celebrities, this is a workplace that they work at. Every wrestler is co-workers with each other. That's going to lead to natural disagreements or friendships or uh, bitterness or whatever the case may be, just like it would at your workplace. And so when I look at this LA Knight report, you know, I really look at the other reports that are going around about the other top guys. And I say, so what if Seth Rollins doesn't really hang out with any of the other talent? This man has a wife and kid that he would rather hang out with. Maybe he's an introvert. Maybe after he's done performing, he doesn't feel like being bothered. There's nothing wrong with that. Roman Reigns, you don't like his schedule? Well, guess what? He's been the top guy for years now, and they're making billions of dollars off of his name. Every time his name is on the marquee, it's an instant sellout. Every time his name is on the marquee, it's a ratings jump. Roman Reigns has what he has because he's earned that. Over years and years of failing as the big dog and continuing to press forward and then finding magic with the tribal chief gimmick, he has earned the right to become basically a full-time part-timer. And, you know, Roman is in the spot that he's in because he's the top guy in the company. He's the biggest star in the company. Uh, you look at the same thing with John Cena back in the day. What? You, you, are you mad because there's rumors that he cut down the pushes of some of the guys in the Nexus or Alex Riley? Unfortunately, guys, it is what it is. That's going to happen. It, it really is. It's going to happen when you're dealing with a company where there's already a top guy and you're threatening that top guy and that top guy has a lot to lose. That's what's going to happen. Politics are going to come into play. That's what happens in these big companies. You're in the entertainment business. Nobody that's a top star wants to see their replacement coming in until they're ready for that to happen. You look at the way John Cena moves now, and the difference between him and Hulk Hogan, right, is that Hulk Hogan at John Cena's age was still trying to give himself pushes, still trying to hold world championships. John Cena hasn't won a singles match in like three years. And that's been intentional. He's been okay with that booking. He recently did an interview where he said, you know, I used to think that when I retired, I was going to say, oh, I want to do it at this event, in this match, with this opponent. And now I just want what's best for WWE. Whatever that looks like, I'm with it. And that is the main difference. Everybody at the height of their career, at the height of that fame and popularity and status, is going to do almost the exact same thing. It's about what you do now. It's about what Cena is doing now. It's about what Triple H decided to do at his age. Triple H, yes, won a world championship uh, you know, at, at the latter stage of his career, but he did it with the sole intent of putting over Roman Reigns in the end. And that's the difference. It's, it, I, don't, I really don't care. I really don't care who these guys are backstage right now. I don't, because I understand the game that they're playing, and I understand they've seen other people play that game before, and they've learned from them. That's how things happen backstage in wrestling. That's why if this is 
not really an environment that you want, you kind of got to think to yourself and consider, is this what I want to do with my life? It's what I'm considering right now between all the bodily pain, the politics that can happen backstage, the people you got to deal with, the sacrifices you have to make. It's really making me question whether being in the ring is in my future or if I just want to do ring announcing instead because it's less politics, it's less competition, it's less everything that wrestling brings to the table. And so when I think about LA Knight and I think about the rumors that are going on backstage, I say, you know what, whatever to the rumors. He wants to be a top guy. This is kind of how top guys have to carry themselves. They, unfortunately, are not going to be the most popular guys backstage. And that's okay. Because the most popular guys backstage don't make the most money. And LA Knight is at that age where now is the time to make the most money he possibly can. Because if he doesn't do it now, there will never be another time to do it. And LA Knight understands that. When we come back on the Manifest Wrestling Podcast, we're going to dive into more of the big wrestling news stories of the week. Stay tuned. Don't move that dial or change that video. We will be right back on the Manifest Wrestling Podcast. Welcome back to the Manifest Wrestling Podcast. Alfonso McCree Jr. here with some great news from Death Valley. The Undertaker went viral a few years ago for calling modern wrestlers soft. And now he is walking that back. He has admitted that he was wrong to think that the wrestling business had gone soft. He was on his Six Feet Under podcast, which if you haven't checked it out, Undertaker is coming out with a whole bunch of new content lately. And it's pretty awesome. So what he said on this one is, it's amazing now all the protocols that are in place. We're treated today like NFL players, NBA players, MLB guys. There are a list of protocols that you have to clear once you get injured before you get back in the ring. Back in the day, we didn't have trainers that traveled with us. If somebody had a roll of white athletic tape, that was the trainer because he had something that you could possibly use. Nowadays, we have two or three trainers that travel. We have doctors that travel, concussion protocols. I have to be honest, for me, it was hard to accept that at first because it was, ah, man, everything is getting soft now. I appreciated that badge of honor, as silly as that sounds. It was hard for me to accept that, man, our business is getting soft. It wasn't getting soft. It was getting smarter. I'm glad that I was part of the generation that led into that because today, you see the referee and they throw the X up, you know something bad has happened. You're not going to get a bunch of blood in the ring. If somebody is concussed or injured to a point, the match is going to stop and the athletes are going to be treated the way they need to be. Even with all that going on, the wear and tear and the risk of injury is crazy. And he's 100% right. Wrestling doesn't hurt any less now than it did before. It's just the risk that the wrestlers take is a lot lower. You're not going to see a bunch of chair shots to the head because that has led to a lot of issues with CTE as we have seen in cases that we don't even need to bring up. You guys know exactly the ones that I'm talking about. But we've seen a lot of problems uh, with a lot of wrestlers from back in the day and everything that their bodies go through now because of everything they put their bodies through back then. And it's not about being softer. It's about being wiser and smarter. You, you look at, he, he brought up the NBA and the NFL and the MLB. There's a reason why safety measures have been put in place, why helmets have been uh, given like better designs than they were in the past and that's because we've seen the injuries and what the injuries do to people people like junior Seau, who had a bunch of concussions throughout his career and ended up having terrible brain damage to the point where he committed suicide you don't want to see things like that from any sport 
And so it's best to really dive into safety measures and be smarter and wiser about the things that we're doing uh, while we're in this ring and enjoying our careers. And also a quick congratulations to Carmela and Corey Graves who have had their son, beautiful baby boy. They look extremely happy. Carmela is glowing and, um, you know, they, they've been talking about this for a while and it's, uh, it's really cool to see that they delivered a healthy baby boy. So congratulations to them. Just wanted to give them a very quick shout out. Also, NXT is moving to a new network. So NXT will no longer be on the C. I mean, oops, sorry, I almost gave it away. They will no longer be on the USA network. They will now be on the CW. Yes, that channel that you never really watch unless you're trying to <laughs> unless you're trying to watch Judge Judy. Yes, they will be on the CW network in 2024. Um trying to find the exact date here, but this is a uh, this could be, end up being a pretty good move for them. I think like the thing is a lot of people have the CW network even when they have basic cable and I think it's pretty good that you put it in a place where maybe it's more accessible. I think that's what their goal was with the SmackDown Fox deal. Yes, most people have USA Network, but there's still some people who don't. But everybody has, everybody who has any type of cable anything has a Fox Network because that's where you get your local news at. So it's the same channel that you get your local news at that you're getting SmackDown. Of course, that's going to be changing pretty soon as well with Fox giving up SmackDown for reasons I still cannot understand. I don't understand how you give up a program that is consistently bringing in over 2 million viewers a week. I don't get it. I just really don't understand it. I don't know what they were uh, expecting to get from WWE in that deal. I don't know if maybe the numbers didn't you know, match their expectations, but I would think that having SmackDown on with the whole world watching is better than having some random college football or college basketball game on with two teams that I may or may not care about depending on the region of the country that I'm in. It just doesn't really make a whole lot of sense to me at all. I don't understand it. I don't know what Fox is thinking. Hopefully for their sake it doesn't bite them in the butt, but WWE will be just fine regardless. This won't be the first time that they have switched channels. They will live. But the CW is going to be home of NXT. And... When you think about these network switches, you always have to think, like, man, they're going to do a big first episode. And with all the people that they've been bringing back recently for NXT, you have to think that when they do their first episode on the CW, we're going to get something big. Now, apparently, I think The Undertaker is still considering making more appearances on NXT, which is crazy to really think about. Like, this is NXT. This is the developmental brand. And you're having all the... It's crazy to think The Undertaker was even on the show to begin with. But now to think that he's actually considering making more appearances on NXT. This isn't Raw or SmackDown. This isn't the weekly, longest weekly uh, running episodic television show in history. No, this is NXT. This is like this ain't even main roster. And we're talking bringing Undertaker to the table to involve him in more things involving Braun Breaker. That's really, really big. You remember, guys, I've been talking a lot recently about how I think it's important to integrate main roster talent with this young talent to get them over and to get them ready for the main roster. Well, you put The Undertaker there, not only are you going to get viewership, but you're also going to get The Undertaker. 
back in the ring, which we'll never say no to. As long as he's not doing too much. All he did was give uh, Braun Breaker that choke slam, and that was more than enough. More than enough. Uh, and lastly, the last thing I want to talk about here, which I didn't get to talk about, is how I feel about Ric Flair signing a multi-year deal with AEW. Now, AEW, of course, like bringing in star power is never a bad thing. Especially when you're trying to, you know, increase your ticket sales and things like that, which have been constantly on the decline. I just don't know how much Ric Flair moves the needle. And I also don't know how much drama he'll cause backstage. And I hope I'm wrong. But, you know, just judging off some of the things Ric Flair says on this podcast, it's like he's, I don't think he's, I don't think he really has a great idea of what works today in wrestling because he's super biased towards his own family. And I understand supporting your family, but to think that, for example, to think that Charlotte Flair versus Rhea Ripley should have main evented WrestleMania Night 1 over the Usos versus Sami Zayn and KO is completely asinine. It makes absolutely no sense. The Bloodline story was the best story of the year, of the past three years. Why would Charlotte Flair and Rhea Ripley, I understand she won the Royal Rumble, but it doesn't matter. At this point, we have seen so many times the Royal Rumble winner not main eventing the show that it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Like, it's it. WrestleMania 33. Randy Orton won, won the Royal Rumble that year. He was in the middle of the card fighting Bray Wyatt for the WWE Championship. Mania in New York. Seth Rollins versus Brock Lesnar. Seth won the Royal Rumble and went out first against Brock Lesnar for the WWE Championship. That's just a couple of examples. You could probably point to plenty more. And my point is this. You put the best match as the main event of the card. The best match has nothing to do with the Royal Rumble anymore. The Royal Rumble just guarantees you a title shot at WrestleMania. Maybe they should start saying that, you know, when they when they do the the Royal Rumble. You know, here are the rules and blah blah blah. The winner of this contest, the last man or woman standing will be the winner and will earn him or herself a WWE Championship match at WrestleMania instead of a WWE Championship match in the main event of WrestleMania. It's not the main event. It's not always going to be the main event. Sometimes you have Cody versus Roman Reigns. Sure. Absolutely. Then other times, you do have Randy Orton versus Bray Wyatt. And that's not main event worthy. Not the year that they fought. I mean, you got to think, you had Goldberg versus Brock Lesnar and Undertaker versus Roman Reigns on that same card. Randy Orton and Bray Wyatt were never going to main event that show. That's just a fact. So, you know, when I think about the things that Ric Flair says, I, I just feel like he's so, he's so unfairly biased against everybody else and just supports his family blindly, which, you know, hey, man, you love your family. That's great. But open your eyes up. And face the reality of the situation. The reality of the situation is your family can't always be on top just because they have the flair name. It's not going to work out that way. 
But I do hope he is an asset to the company. I do hope that maybe they can put him in a position to actually manage somebody and get them over. Similar to how he was able to contribute in a big way to the careers of Triple H, Batista, and Randy Orton during the days of evolution and help make them into megastars and the top act on Monday Night Raw for years. You know, I, I feel like they have the opportunity to use Ric Flair in that way. And I hope I hope Tony Khan understands that. And I also hope Tony Khan does not let this man wrestle a match. The last match he wrestled was not great. And I know he has that itch to wrestle. I mean, he's one of the greatest of all time. Of course he's going to want to wrestle. But you got to know when enough is enough. And enough is enough, man. Like, it looked like he was going to die during that last match. During Ric Flair's last match, it didn't look like he was going to survive the match. And that's not good. That's a problem. So, you know, just going forward, I hope Tony Khan makes the best decisions when it comes to Ric Flair. Hope he saves Ric Flair from himself. And I hope he understands and has communicated to Ric Flair what his place is in the company. And I hope it's a great relationship that's beneficial to all parties as well as the fans. But that'll do it for today's Manifest Wrestling Podcast with Alfonso McCree Jr. here on the Believe Network. For more, make sure you like, share, subscribe, download the podcast, turn notifications on, do whatever you have to do to get more of this content. I will see you guys in the next episode. Until then, stay safe, stay blessed. Peace. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.